The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's been an attorney mediator for 26 years, and during that time she's resolved thousands of disputes as a neutral conflict healer. She's a member of the Orange County Superior Court Mediation Panel, and she's been a law professor of negotiations and mediation and presently teaches negotiations right here at UCI. She's the author of Negotiations Breakthroughs and co-author of Stepping Stones to Success and several other books. To listen to previous interviews, see upcoming <coughs> guests, download podcasts, and learn more, visit www.conflicthealing.com. So, Mari, what's your show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about mediation, and some of you who are listening may say, well, you know, I'm not a mediator, but I have to tell you, everybody that I know is a mediator at some time in his or her life whether you're mediating between your brothers and sisters, you're mediating between your children, you're mediating between family members, you're mediating between uh, cohorts at, the, at your workplace, whether you're a supervisor and you're trying to mediate between two of your subordinates. We all are sometimes in the middle, right? We are. We're the monkey in the middle. And so today we're going to talk about this wonderful book that I just finished reading. And it is by Jan Frankel Shaw, and the name of it is View from the Middle of the Road, A Mediator's Perspective on Life, Conflict, and Human Interaction. And I'm very excited to interview Jan. Jan and I met several years ago. We're both mediators. She's up in L.A., and I'm down in Orange County. And we have presented together at the Orange County Mediation Conference, and I have actually chosen her to be one of our um, wonderful trainers for the Orange County Mediation Conference last year when I was in charge of them and I think she's wonderful and I'm just so pleased that she's come on she's a great woman besides being a fabulous mediator and now an incredible author as well so let me tell you a little bit more about her Jan Shaw is an attorney mediator and she settles litigated cases arising out of employment business and tort disputes. For those of you who don't know, tort tort is like personal injury type, the type and you know, different kinds of uh, suits like that. Uh, with over 20 years of experience as a litigator, half in insurance defense, which by the way I used to do insurance defense, and half representing plaintiffs in employment and business related disputes, Jan really has some great insight and in and ability to understand and look at both sides, evaluate both sides, and help them come to an agreement. And since 2003, she's mediated over a thousand litigated cases throughout all of Southern California. And she's a panel member of ADR Services in Los Angeles since 2007. That's a private mediation firm. And it is, she's widely considered one of LA's preeminent mediators. She's also the past president of the Southern California Mediation Association, which I've been on for, oh my God, so many years, 27 years and a distinguished fellow of the International Academy of Mediators. 
She's also a terrific trainer, author, and lecturer on all sorts of topics dealing with alternative dispute resolution. And then also, she's got this new book that I just talked to you about, View from the Middle of the Road, A Mediator's Perspective on Life, Conflict, and Human Interaction. And this just came out this last April uh, 2013. And she, aside from being a mediator, she also has been a super lawyer, which uh, Southern California super lawyer has been in the uh, Daily Journal magazine and in Lawyer magazine. And that was in 2011, 12, and 13. And she is just really terrific at resolving conflict. She is a wonderful lady, and I'm so glad that I've gotten to know her over the years. And so we're thrilled to have you on, Jan. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for inviting me, Mari. So this is a great new book. Why don't you tell us what made you want to write this book? Well, Mari, as I know you know, uh, we hear stories every day, and some of them are so compelling, and some of them are um, so frustrating, and some of them are so wonderful that I had a burning desire to write them down. But really how I got started in this is that I went to a lecture on self-reflective analysis. Um, mediators are usually hired on a one-day deal to mediate a big dispute that people have been living with for sometimes months, sometimes years. And we spend the day with people, and then it's all confidential. We never really look back. Um, if it settles, then we put it aside and we're done with it as mediators, and if it doesn't settle, then we stick with it until it does settle, and usually they do eventually, and then we move on. But I really challenged myself after hearing that lecture to spend um, a little bit of time every week, pick one mediation that I had presided over, and really take a, a look introspectively. So it started, frankly, as a journal. I thought it might be a kind of interesting teaching um, thing, but I began to like the stories so well that I continued on. So the first year was just writing and reflecting on the stories. Second year was editing, which really meant stepping back and trying to figure out what I had done and what I had not done that might have made a difference. And, and frankly, the kind of who goofed I've got to know on the ones that had eluded me, that had gotten away. Right. And, you know, it's so important for us to be self-reflective. It's it's a real higher consciousness about it. And then, of course, when you are self-reflective like you've been, it really improves your mediation because you saw what went right and what could I have done differently and how might have that made a difference. And I think that's basically a lot of what you've done, which is really wonderful. Let's talk a little bit. I, I'm intrigued by the fact that you you know, we're looking into the self, um, you know, analysis, which I try to do too. So I really relate to you in that way. So what did you learn about yourself during that whole process? And as you were kind of, you were kind of journaling too, right? I, I sure was. Um, listen, you'll find that in a lot of the critics that have read the book, I'm not saying that they're so critical, but they're rather surprised that um, many of the stories are the cases that didn't resolve, at least not in the first day. And it isn't because that's more typical than not in my practice. It's really because those are the ones that stuck with me. Um, but what I found when I really stepped aside is that um, sometimes I got caught up in it. I guess that's the, the big secret that I can tell you is that um, though we attempt to stand in the middle of the road, we're still human, we're still swayed, and, you know, maybe we're a little bit like a jury might be, too. So maybe it's fair to be swayed one way or the other. 
But I think what I learned about myself is that I really have to be deliberate about standing in the middle um, or give in to the fact that I'm human and so is a judge or a jury who's going to hear these facts. Um, but I, I guess I thought I was a little more removed, like a judge might be, um, than I am when I'm mediating in real time. Well, you know, I think that's what's really fascinating, Jan, because of the fact that you, as soon as you are conscious of being neutral, then you're going to be more neutral than if you're unconscious about it, right? That's right. I think so. I yeah, think so. Uh-huh. and I think that's that's what's really neat. And I think when you said, you know, you, you pulled out stories where it didn't settle in the first day, well, when we have, you know, cases that settle easily, you know, I mean, that feels good. <laughs> it feels really good, but it doesn't teach us as much, right? Right. Well, that's right. And also, because this book took me two years to write, um, I realize now when I look at it how I've grown even in those two years, even by this process. So um, it is an evolving profession. Um, I am an evolving author. This is the first book that I've written, although I've written many, many articles and um, small journals and things. And I'm a lifelong journaler, by the way. Oh, great. Um, so uh, this, this medium wasn't new to me, but publication was. Exactly. When you journal, you journal for yourself, obviously. But so then when you had to edit it, you probably had to change a lot of the things so that it would be for an audience. That's right. Yeah, that's right. But, you know, I do I I honor you for for really bringing out what you learned and everything. And and one of the thoughts that I had was as you wrote this and you've been, you know, a mediator for a while and, and I have, too. What have you learned about conflict well, for one thing, I've learned, um, as we've discussed for a long time since we've known one another, Mari, that it's everywhere. Um, this book was just as interesting and intriguing to my sister, who's a psychologist, and my mother, who's in her 80s and a lifelong reader, but not a professional, um, as it is to students of mediation and lawyers that have been clients of mine over the years. Um, it's not just in the courtroom. And because... The budget constraints have dictated even just this month there are closures that are going on in the L.A. Superior Court, drastic budget cuts. Um, Even lawyers are learning that they aren't necessarily going to be trying the majority of their cases, that most of their cases are going to get resolved without going to a courtroom. Um, And for that reason, I think that there's a little message in it for everybody. Yeah, I had a mediation yesterday, and the two attorneys, one of the things that I did, because I thought that my clients were um, very high-conflict people, and so I had the two attorneys, I asked them in the very beginning, I asked them, I said, well, so what do you think this will cost to litigate? I asked each of them, and what about when we get the experts? What's that going to add to it? And they both did it in, in, in general session. They both did it so that both clients could hear that both attorneys were saying the same thing. It isn't me, the mediator, mm-hmm. telling them it was them. And and then I asked them about privacy. What kind of privacy are you going to have for business things? And what what else are you going to have um, that that's is there going to be any confidentiality? What else is going to go on there? How much time is it going to take you away from work? How much how much stress are you going to have? And these two attorneys were very good. I mean, it was like I had prompted them, which I did not, believe me. But they said everything that made them, the clients, really kind of sit up. And I said, so that would be a really good reason to settle all of this, wouldn't it? 
And then I made them, I asked them, are you willing to really stop focusing on the past and willing to stay in the present and try and problem solve and stop the blame and stop all that stuff? Are you willing to do that? And I said, I really would like a commitment from you. So each of them committed. And then I said to the attorneys, I said, I know you're great litigators. Are you willing to pose all your proposals in the form of a proposal rather than an argument so that that you're also showing a commitment to really focusing on solutions and they committed to that and we had a really good session and uh, but I was very lucky because I had two attorneys that really were supporting the mediation process where I've had other times where I knew I knew this one attorney he had so much to gain and really milking the whole thing that there was no way we were going to settle, you know? Well, it becomes hard. And I do a lot of employment mediations and in those there's a fee shifting statute so that if the plaintiff prevails, if the person that's been injured or fired because of discriminatory reasons or wage and hour case even, um, is entitled to recover all of their attorney's fees. Right. Um, and oftentimes that means that the attorney for that person has a lot at stake. Right. And the defendant, the employer, has a lot more at risk than just their own attorney's fees. Right. Because even if they win for a very small amount, they can, and the jury never knows this, but they will petition the court afterwards for hundreds of thousands of dollars of fees. So sometimes it's, it, it, it creates an inherent conflict. Yes. Good for you for being able to raise that um, and get that commitment from those lawyers early on. It's a it's a challenge, isn't it? It it is, and especially the ones I do for the court, mm-hmm. because they're kind of like pushed into it, and they don't really want to do it, but they're doing it because they're kind of pushed into it. And and so it is, you know. I mean, just luckily, like- as of April of 2013, the Los Angeles Superior Court no longer sends the cases. Um, directly to mediators. It's all private in Los Angeles. Well, it's private, but what I'm saying is that the judges will try and push because they want to get it off their, you know, off their desk. They push, they don't push a particular person, but they'll say, you really need to try mediation. We'd like you to do it. They don't, yeah, they, even though we have... But I think the Orange County Superior Court maintains a panel of mediators. Yes, we do. um, Because I'm on that too, although I don't work very often down in Orange County, but the L.A. Superior Court is no longer maintaining that panel. Right. So um, it's it's really a shifting environment um, in, yeah. in our geographic area. So a lot of people here, we're sitting on the campus of the University of California, and but we also have businesses that drive by. We have our own little Silicon Valley nearby. And so for those people who really don't understand mediation, how would you like to express uh, what mediation is and why it's better than arbitration or litigation? What I tell my clients is that it's their chance at communication, that typically um, what we find is that people that have to end up bringing a lawsuit or that have a dispute have had some communication breakdown in their history in this dispute. Uh, you can't communicate with your next-door neighbor over the trees overhanging on their roof. You can't communicate with your boss about why you miss so much work. Um, and you can't communicate with uh, the driver of the other car because they think that's cr- crazy that your car had that much damage as a result of this little rear-ender. So it's a breakdown of communication. Um, that happens first. 
Um, and then maybe there's a letter writing campaign. Maybe these days it's more often via email, and you send an email. So I've got a, a little problem myself now with a neighbor. So she sends me an email that says, here's what I expect, and here are my problems. <laughs> I send her back an email that says, call me at the office. She sends me back an email that says, I don't need your lawyer's card. My sister is a lawyer, too. She's a divorce lawyer. I send her back an email that says, when I need a divorce, I'll call your sister. Meanwhile, this is the number you can reach me. So you get levels of miscommunication. Right. And oftentimes, frankly, um, very good lawyers will be able to settle their cases without a mediator, too. Right. But when there's a breakdown between the lawyers um, or when it gets very close to trial and there are real issues about valuing the damages or liability, um, that's when you need somebody. So a mediator is really that person, that um, diplomat, if you will, that goes between the two sides, that gets to know them, that begins to understand their perspective, because they've been unable to communicate directly. In a perfect world, we all could communicate with our next-door neighbors, our husbands, our wives, the person that hits us on the freeway. Yeah, yeah. But it's not a perfect world. And what mediators, I think, are trained best to do is to listen and to communicate. Yes. And listening is such an important such an important skill for all of us. And then to let them know that they've been heard by at least reflecting back what they've said right. so that they feel heard. Because even in court, they're not going to get the time to tell the judge everything that they want to tell. And they also are, you know, may not, so a lot of it might be not, they may not even be able to tell the judge too much, right? And so they don't get to be heard in the way that maybe they want to be heard. The other thing that I think is unique about mediation is that um, you can be rather creative with the results so that people who want something more than money or something more than what they would get in court, which is a win or a lose, as in an explanation, as in an apology, as in um, an agreement to do business together but in a different way. Yes. Um, those kinds of things are really, in my view, only attainable through a mediation-like process. Um, court is very defined. You, you have you know, certain elements of every cause of action in a complaint and certain remedies that are dictated by statute or case law. And, and you get what you get, but you can't ask for more. And you don't know what you're going to get. That's the thing. That's you true. don't. You may think you have the greatest case, and then the judge or the jury or both or whatever are, may rule against you. And then are you going to spend the money on an appeal? And That's meanwhile, right. how much time have you lost? And, and then for me, as a person who is a privacy expert, I mean, you have no privacy in court. None. You really don't. That's right. And so at least in mediation, you have the issue of confidentiality and privacy. So why don't you talk a little bit, Jan, about the confidentiality agreements that we always put in, you know, into our, well, our process. First, I want to say something about the book, which is part of the reason that I wanted to write this book is because I am frustrated by the fact that we have such a high degree of confidentiality that we can't tell these stories. And they're great stories. I mean, really just as um, fiction stories, they're great. Only I right. didn't make these up. I, right. I tried to fictionalize the characters. But you're right, Mari. We really hold that confidentiality very um, guardedly. Yes. And although I have an agreement that I ask people to sign, I also give myself an exclusion for purposes of teaching and 
um, and lecturing and writing. Um, but, but you change the but names. But it's dictated by statute. Yeah, and you, yes. and you change I've the names. I've changed the names. <laughs> I've tried to change the um, identities enough. Sure. So sometimes a man will be characterized as a woman. In fact, some people that are now reading the book will come back to me and say, oh, I loved that one. That was so <laughs> wild. And I'll think, well, that wasn't a man. Why are they saying that? <laughs> so I've tried to fictionalize it a little bit, but it, it only confuses me because I know the stories. Yeah. But, um, yes, that is really another reason that, um, and it's not just the the protection of the privacy of the dispute, but there are some things that drive a dispute that you'll never get out in court, no. meaning it's a very um, scripted yeah. matter when you get to court. There's direct testimony, there's uh, cross, yeah. uh, you know, cross-examination. I sit as an arbitrator, and I'll tell you one of the hardest things that I find as an arbitrator is that I can't ask questions. Right. I can't be the one, and I'm the one that's finding fact. But if the lawyers haven't asked those questions, I can't ask them either. Sometimes I'm dying to know. I know, and that's the beauty of mediation. We can ask the questions. In fact, that's what we do. And really is, get to the, what's underneath it. Yes, yes. We can ask the questions. We can, And the other thing is when we ask the questions, nobody's judging what is said, and nothing that is said in the mediation can never be used against the parties if they do end up in litigation. And that's another beauty that people don't even realize. That's a safe harbor. That's right. That's right. And sometimes I find that um, lawyers find out things about their clients that they never knew by sitting with them for the whole day. Exactly. So yesterday I had one where um, there, it was a wage and hour case, but it turned out that the um, individual had been fired for fighting in the workplace. Not just fighting, but he... Um, threatened to kill a co-worker. Oh, my God. And then when the supervisor tried to break it up, he threatened to kill the supervisor. Uh. The supervisor called the police, um, and the police went to this guy's home. This guy was angry, so he didn't bring a lawsuit until he found somebody that realized that there was some discrepancy with his wage statement and he hadn't been paid for all of his overtime or all of uh. his rest and break. But... When the lawyer found out that he had that history... Oh, my goodness, it settled quickly. (laughs) Oh, my goodness, that settled quickly. Exactly, Marie. Yes. Let's talk about a couple other stories. I love love the stories, and I think people can really relate and understand what we do if they hear a story. Let's let's talk about um, another success story that may be one of your favorites in the book. Well, uh, I really struggled with one that I uh, called Who You Call an Old. And uh, the reason was on so many different levels, but this was really a moving target. It was an age discrimination claim. Uh, I'm not going to tell you the real facts. I'll just tell you how I've told it in the book. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I told it in the book that it was a woman who, who was in her mid-50s who was selling Cadillacs. And the Cadillac dealership had been um, inherited, given down to uh, the son of the original dealer who was in his 30s and wanted to bring in a new slogan of, not your daddy's, not your granddaddy's Cadillac. And, you know, <laughs> dressed down and, you know, very yeah, hip yeah. and very cool. And Betsy wasn't making her numbers. And so they let her go. And Betsy was very loyal to the Cadillac brand. So she absolutely did not want to sell anything but luxury American and in Beverly Hills. And she couldn't find a job. She was very well paid. But there were moments when I so related to Betsy when I so said to myself, oh, my word, in a moment, I am also going to be sidelined. In a moment, 
I am also going to be seen as that lady, you know, somebody's mom or grandma or whatever, right. who, uh, who is no longer relevant. And so I, I caught myself kind of getting, getting caught up in that. And that's one where I really had to employ all of my mediator's tools. And unfortunately, what happened, what was made it a little bit more interesting and challenging is that Betsy went to a loyal Cadillac customer who, um, I think I called him Marvin in the, in the book, um, who was 85. He was long retired, but said, oh, I can handle this for her. Mm. And um, Joey, the son of the dealer, who was now the owner of the dealership, went to a very young defense lawyer who was in his 30s, early 30s. He wasn't yet a partner. So you had so, the senior citizens on one side and the right. young hip ones on the other. Right, and me and Betsy right in the middle. Right. Right? But the lawyers, too, got involved in this age discrimination thing. So, <laughs> you know, the one lawyer, the older lawyer, and you know this, if you've been practicing for a few years, I've been practicing for over 30, he said, young man, why don't you just get to the point? Tell us what you're willing to pay. We'll either take it or we'll leave it, but we don't need to spend the day here. <laughs> and the young man, the young lawyer, said, that isn't the way it works, Walter. We go back and forth, and we make an offer. You make a demand, we make an offer, we go back and forth, and that's how negotiation goes. If you hadn't slept through all the depositions, you'd know what a lousy case you had. Oh, my God. Exactly, exactly. That's me in the middle going, oh, my God. As you said in the introductory comments, monkey in the middle. Right. So that was really um, kind of the impetus to write this book is, you know, I'm in the middle, and I'm in the middle every day. You know, um, at the moment, it's a very comfortable space for me. I love the work. Um, it, that one took more than a month, not just more than one session. It did take two sessions, but more than a month to get it resolved. But we did get it resolved. But these are the kind of things that I get caught up in, and there's so many moving parts. There's so many dynamics. There's so much more than the legal claim exactly. and that I go have, into it. Yeah, I have to laugh because the program I did this last mediation conference when you were doing yours, um, I did it all on bias, and we talked about those kinds of things. When somebody says something in mediation about, oh, come on, well, if you weren't, you know, if you weren't sleeping, you would know something more. Or, you know, mm -hmm. if, if you weren't so senile, you'd know that we didn't do it that way or, or something like right. that. And, and then we have to deal with it. So that was talking about right. bias and mediation, which is so funny. Right. But, and it's not just the parties. That's the point of that one. Right. Is that you can't really rely upon Everybody has a bias. I did, too, in that sure. one because I really did relate to this person. Yeah, it's like that uh, show, Everyone's a Little Bit Racist, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Where they have that song? It's what was it? Avenue Q. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, that yeah, was so I funny. It. I saw it on Broadway. Yeah, so you know what I'm talking about. Uh -huh. They're singing everybody's a little bit raised, and we uh -huh. do. We have to be cognizant of it. Uh -huh. We don't have a lot of time, but I'd like to ask you one, just one other question. That for those people who are listening, who find themselves as a boss, and and then they have people that they have to mediate or family members, can you give some tips? That, that we do as mediators that help us to resolve conflict just cause, so that everybody is a mediator? Uh, I'm going to say that one of the things that I think is um, most challenging is mediating your own dispute. Um, I, you know, we say that we do this all day long for a living, but when I get home, I fight just like anybody else with my own husband, my own kids. <laughs> so I would say my best advice is take somebody that's not embroiled in the dispute, um, but as a as a boss or hospital administrator or 
employer, I'd say get some training so that somebody within your organization is trained to listen, to reframe, to take some perspective, to offer some perspective, and to come up with creative solutions that will be win-win, not win-lose, and um, designed towards continuing relations as opposed to breaking them down and and just um, coming up with some monetary solution, which is only a, a little bit of the battle. Well, Jan Frankelshaw, you're wonderful, and we will tell people to read View from the Middle of the Road, a mediator's perspective on life, conflict, and human interaction. And why don't you just give your website, Jan, and then we have to go. The website is www.viewfromthemiddleoftheroad.com, and <laughs> and I can be found at Shaw Mediation, S-C-H-A-U, mediation.com. Well, Jan, Thank it's you so, so much, fun. Mari. Yeah, it's fun. We'll do this again. Thanks, Jan, and good luck with the book. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye be- now. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI, 88.9 FM Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank, host of Conflict of Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. Visit our website at conflicthealing.com. Thanks. It's about trust Expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.